Redneck lifestyle has become famous, it's become popular. What once was a class of people that may not have been worth desiring to be a part of has now become something that has become glamorized and Hollywood has taken it and made it normal. And so we celebrate with the rest of the world, all of us rednecks out there who just, we just figure out ways to get her done and we don't really worry about the sophistication. You know, um, Jeff Foxworthy said that the definition of a redneck is uh, the glorious absence of sophistication. So it doesn't really matter how you do it as long as it gets done. If that's your main concern in life, then you might be a redneck. We got shows today like Duck Dynasty. How many Duck Dynasty fans out there? Not really, not much of a better show on TV these days uh, to enjoy. I mean, Sporting the Beards, the Robertson family, great example for everyone in life. Hunting, fishing, it's just a way of life. I mean, these guys just have fun in life. A lot of people have jobs, they don't have fun, but these rednecks make life fun for all of us. And Honey Boo Boo has become just a household name. Right, we won't talk much about Honey Boo Boo, but we love Honey Boo Boo, and uh, all of you have Honey Boo Boo clips and sayings that you would say much better than me, so I'm going to let you guys talk about that a little on. And then, uh, man, there's even shows like Swamp People and Swamp Loggers that just really celebrate a way of life that for many of us seems on the outside to be comical and seems to be uh, entertaining. But the truth is, is if we all look at ourselves deep down inside, there's always a little bit of redneck in each of us. Now, true rednecks are proud that they're rednecks, okay? We're talking about like jacked up trucks, flying the Dixie flag in the back. I mean, they're cranking their country music. They're proud of it. They don't care what you think about it. They know they're a redneck. But then there's people who, they might not admit that they're a redneck, but people can sometimes judge redneck in someone else better than they can judge it in themselves. So there's been moments in all of our lives where we're like, wow, that was a really redneck thing that I just said or a really redneck thing that I just did. So in life, all of you true rednecks, do we have anybody here that would just say, I'm just a straight up redneck, I'm, a, I'm just, I don't care what nobody thinks, I'm a redneck. Anybody out there? Is there any show of hands? Yeah. Well, somebody's pointing at somebody else, I love that. That's awesome. How many of you would say, like, I wouldn't claim the label redneck, maybe country boy is a little better for me, or I don't prefer to be a redneck, but I have seen some redneck ways in my life. Can I just show a hand, my hands up, most of us? Some of you don't want to admit it. That's bad. <laughs> here's, here's, here's where the journey I want to take us on today, and... It doesn't so much dive into being a redneck or how to be a redneck or why you should be a redneck or how not to be a redneck or why you shouldn't be a redneck, but really a train of thought that goes along with our perception of rednecks. And so let me kind of, let me, let me try to be clear and approach today as best I can. There's true rednecks. Some people embrace it. Some people shun it. Okay. Some people say, I would never want to be a redneck. Those are rednecks, I'm not one. Some people would say, I'm a redneck, I don't care what you think, you can deal with it, and you should be part of us, okay? But then there's, I guess Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy became a millionaire out of, you might be a redneck if jokes. And so there's this fact that a lot of people don't see the redneck in themselves, and so accidentally or maybe unintentionally, 
it can be pointed out that there's actually redneck qualities to their life. And so a lot of the you might be a redneck if jokes center around not just the people who are obvious, blatant rednecks, but pointing out to people, you know, you might not have thought about it, but yeah, you might be a redneck. Okay, and so for the sake of, you can't really do a redneck series without a few, you might be a redneck if jokes. You might be a redneck if you've ever financed a tattoo. No show of hands. If you ever financed a tattoo, look, it might not be a redneck tattoo. It might not be, you know, rebel flag on your chest. But if you finance that tattoo, you might be a redneck. Um, you might be a redneck if you think that a subdivision is part of a math problem. And you hear people talk about living in subdivisions. You're like, I just don't get it. Like, are they talking about how many terms to get into their house? I don't get it. Um, last one. I won't keep going. Uh, you might be a redneck if your dog can't watch you eat without gagging. Yeah, that's bad. One more for, for good measure. You might be a redneck if your, dad, if your dad walks you to school because you're both in the same grade. Okay, okay, that's bad. That's bad. Okay. So, here's what I want us just to admit today, though. I want us to admit that though a lot of us aren't intentionally living lifestyles pursuing a redneck label, there's things in our lives that could be labeled as redneck, okay? So follow me here. The other day I was cutting grass in my backyard. We've got a fenced-in backyard and there's some blackberry bushes up against part of our backyard and the thorns had been growing over and I've, I've trimmed them once. Uh, but I was cutting the grass and went by and I was trying to ease by and I cut my arms up a little bit on these thorns and so I said, well, I gotta do something about these thorns. You know, I don't want my son to get out and grab these, hurt himself, so I've gotta trim these. Well. I don't have the proper equipment, and that, that seems very simple, to, to properly trim blackberry thorns that are hanging over a bush, okay? So I don't have um, lopping shears, and I don't have any kind of motorized, any kind of thing to do it outside of a, a weed eater, and that just seemed dangerous. So what did I do? I thought, well, it's got to be done. So I went inside and, and grabbed my wife's kitchen scissors. And I walked out to the backyard and literally spent about 10 minutes grabbing thorns and with a pair of scissors, like trying to cut through some of these. And I was looking over my shoulder, like, hoping neighbors didn't see me because I was thinking this would probably be a little embarrassing. The good news is um, about a week later, I was driving out through our subdivision and there was an older gentleman that was literally on his hands and knees around his mailbox with a pair of scissors that looked like cutting his grass. I guess he didn't have a weed eater or it was broken or something. Part of me thought maybe I should just see if he needs to use a weed eater, but you know there's that fine line between like, do they want help? Am I gonna insult them if I ask them if they'd like to borrow a weed eater? But it made me feel good about myself, so I didn't say anything, I just kept driving and, and kind of felt good that I'm not the only one that uses scissors in the yard. And uh, so, those scissors now get used uh, around. You wouldn't know this probably. I've got a 10-point buck that's been mounted. It's in my parent, grandparents' basement. It's in storage. My wife won't let me bring it to the house, but I've got some redneck in me. I used to hunt with my dad. I grew up hunting. Uh, we've been turkey hunting. We've hunted for deer. I've killed some doe and some buck. I was proud of myself and uh, just got busy in life and, and couldn't maintain that hobby. But you probably have some, some areas of your life that are redneckish. Maybe the way you talk, people would say you have a really uh, slang or southern draw, and you get comments all the time about, man, you just sound like a redneck. Okay, so may not pursue it wholeheartedly, but may identify, maybe even unintentionally, there's some things in me 
that are redneck. Now, I want to kind of flip that logic of thinking that we can sometimes see redneck in other people who aren't intentionally pursuing redneck by just associating redneckisms with things that they may do. I want to associate that to God, to our relationship with God, because here's, here's what I think and here's what I believe. Like a lot of us who have redneck in us unintentionally, that we may not be proud of it, we may not recognize it or admit that it's there, because of some associations in our life, we can be labeled in some areas a redneck. And I think that the same thing is true in our walk with God. I think that sometimes, maybe, maybe not even intentionally pursuing a lifestyle of devotion to God, calling yourself a Christian, you may just assume that because certain qualities of Christians are in your life and you possess certain qualities, then that kind of makes you a Christian. And so a lot of times we come to church and we have conversations with people and we talk as if we are part of a lifestyle that maybe we haven't embraced simply because there are some things that are associated with that lifestyle that we see in ourselves. Okay, so let me, let me give you a couple of examples here. Um, we'll call this, you might be a Christian if. Okay, and these aren't gonna be funny, so sorry to disappoint you. A lot of you plan to laugh a lot today. But um, you might be a Christian if um, you come to church. Maybe a lot. Maybe not a lot. But some people think that if you go to church, then that's what makes you a Christian. And so this thinking is that, well, Christians go to church, so if I go to church, then that might make me a Christian. We've got everything from like CME Christians. Uh, that's a denomination of people who go to church on, on Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. Um, and then we've got people who are like in church every Sunday that the doors are open. And I think that both categories, whether you attend church a lot or whether you attend church very seldom, have these qualities that attending the church is beneficial to our lives. I, th I think that on some levels we can all agree to that. But on some levels, we think that the association of going to a church is kind of like a big influencer in us being Christian. And so people would say, you know, how do you know you're a Christian? And you're like, well, you know, I go to church a lot. What church you go to? And they might only go to a church a few times a year, but they're going to name a church. Okay. I was always amused when I was a youth pastor and there would be senior nights on football or basketball and they would make these presentations about students and there would be students that I had never met before and they would say, you know, I am, you know, a proud attender of this church and I'm a part of this youth group. And I was like, I've never met you before, but I'm glad that you're a part of what we do. And it's this simple idea that if I can associate myself with certain things, it'll make me a certain type of person. Okay. Secondly, you might be a Christian if, let's say your parents or a spouse or a family member is just a godly person, loves God, could be the most godly person you've ever met, super spiritual. You think that they're just perfect and have everything together. Students, maybe you think that your parents just hung the moon and that they are super, super spiritual and they're extremely godly people and perhaps there's this train of thought in our culture, in our very southern Christianized culture that, well, if my parents are really godly people, then of course I'm their son and that makes me a godly person. If my spouse just loves God with all their heart, they're in love with Jesus, then that's gonna make me a Christian because I'm kind of associated with them. And so there's this mentality that 
I might be a Christian if, you know, my parents love God. They go to church. They're deeply involved. They're committed to the cause of Christianity or my spouse or a family member or a friend that I'm really close to. And because of their relationship, then I kind of just associate myself with that as well. You might be a Christian if your parents are godly. Thirdly, you might be a Christian if you have all the right answers. Here's, I think, the biggest association with us living where we live in the Bible Belt. Um, We've been exposed to church or things of God at some point in our life, most all of us, all of us, I would say, living in the South on some level. And because of that, we have kind of learned some key things to say so that when people ask us questions, we feel like we have the answers. And because we feel like we have answers to their questions, we think that that makes us a Christian. So we might, have a, we might be a Christian if we have all the right answers. I mean, if someone asks you, you know, if you died today, are you going to go to heaven? You know, you might know the answer to that question and you might answer the question correctly, but it doesn't make you a Christian, so to speak, just because, you know, the answers. And because we've been so exposed to the Bible and to church and the things of God in our culture, a lot of us know a lot of answers. And we have a lot of knowledge. And so many times we think that that knowledge is what makes us Christian. And so we live this life with this idea that we might be a Christian because we have all the answers. And we know what to say when people ask us certain things. And we know how to respond to get people to live us alone. Just, just the other night I was out in my neighbor's driveway, our kids were playing together and we were talking and up walked, uh, I'm assuming it was a father and a son, it was an older gentleman and a teenage boy and, and they were out sharing the gospel with people. They were witnessing, they were from a, a local church and, and so uh, he, he began to ask some questions and you know, one of the first things that he said was, you know, what, what do you do for a living to both of us? And so my neighbor answered and then he looked at me and what do you do? And I said, I'm actually a pastor. And it was almost as if, like, so many times I think maybe people give him or them excuses that he wanted to, like, make sure that I was authentic, you know? And it's almost like he zeroed in on the pastor and he was, like, asking me certain questions and explaining certain things that obviously I already know and that I tell other people. But he wanted to see how I would answer the questions because he was curious as to my knowledge about things of God. But see, I think so many times, like, I could not be a Christian and I could answer questions that Christians want to know and think that maybe that makes me a Christian because I have that knowledge. You might be a Christian if you're knowledgeable about things of God or you have all the right answers. The one that I think is the most dangerous, you might be a Christian if you're a good person. You ever thought about this? That we spend a lot of our lives trying to be good. I don't know about you, I try to be good. I don't, I don't want to be a bad person. I don't want to have a bad reputation. I don't want to treat my family badly. I don't want people to look at me as a bad person. And so I try to be a good person. I try to help people. I try to do good things. There's a problem with the mentality, though, that says that if I'm good, then that makes me a Christian because you can do everything that a Christian is supposed to do without being a Christian, I don't know if you've ever known that or if anyone's ever told you that. Think of like the most perfect Christian you've ever met. 
How, how would you like describe their life? How would you describe their lifestyle? How would you describe characteristics and attributes of them? Are they honest people. They go to church. They don't cheat people. They don't steal from people. They help people. Maybe they read their Bible. They pray. Can you do all those things and not be a Christian? You ever thought about that? I was thinking about that just the other day in preparation for this. How many people strive to do things that maybe a Christian would do thinking that that would be the very thing that would make them a Christian, but you can stand in a garage all you want and it doesn't make you a car, right? And you can come to church all you want and that in and of itself doesn't make you a Christian. And so just like we can sometimes discover, hey, there's a little redneck in all of us, we can also discover, hey, there's a little Christian in all of us. Why is there a little Christian in all of us? Well, we live in the South. We live in the Bible Belt. We've been exposed to a lot of Christian ideas and principles, and some people shun them completely, and they want nothing to do with them, but most of us would find, at least on some level, that we want to try to treat people the way we're treated. You know, that's a, that's a principle found in the Bible, that we want to do good things for others. And so we find ourselves in this sometimes dangerous position of we might be a Christian if, and we never really get to the place in life where there's no might in our Christian life. And we don't have any doubts if we're a Christian or not. And so what I wanted to do for, for like maybe the next eight to ten minutes is just share with you some scripture and share with you some some ideas and, and, and concepts to help you understand what it means to be a true Christian. So this would be like, you know, a real redneck would walk in and say, some of that music you were playing was not redneck music. You tried, but it didn't work. And some people would maybe try to be a Christian without knowing truly what it means to be a Christian. So, so let's jump through uh, some scripture here. First of all, I want to start with John chapter 14. Verse 6, uh, Jesus is teaching here, and, and he answers. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So, so basic, like Christianity 101, if you want to be the Christian, the only way that you can be a Christian is through Jesus and through a relationship with him. Like there's no other thing that you can do or no other idea that you can embrace that would make you a Christian or, or guarantee you an eternity in heaven outside of going through Jesus and knowing him personally. Um, Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 and 14, some sobering verses for all of us, especially who have grown up around church. Um, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Many go through the road of destruction, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And listen to this, only a few find it. So everyone that claims the title Christian it isn't necessarily truly a Christian, okay? Like you might fill out some paperwork and it might say, what religion are you? You know, are you a Hindu? Are you a Buddhist? Are you a Christian? You're like, yeah, I'm Christian. I'm, I'm not a Hindu. I'm not Buddhist. I'm not Muslim. I'm Christian. And so you might check that, but the idea of checking a religion that you prefer over another one doesn't make you a Christian. In fact, there's going to be a lot of people who might think that they're Christians but may not have really embraced the true Christianity. Let's move on to verses 21 through 23 of Matthew 7. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, sobering verse, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Man, you ever thought about that? Like there's going to be people who claim to be Christians and maybe have done Christian things that will stand before Jesus one day on a day of judgment and expect to spend an eternity with him in heaven. Based on this, you might be a Christian if lifestyle. And Jesus will say, I don't know you. We never had a relationship. You kind of missed the boat on this and what you thought made you a Christian didn't really make you a Christian. But we prophesied in your name. like We cast out demons in your name. We did things in your name. He'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. So these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You know, it's not the words that we say. It's not how we can answer questions. It's not the knowledge that we have. It's important. It's the condition of our heart. The condition of our heart is based on a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I want to walk you through four quick characteristics of a true Christian. Because here's what I think maybe some of you are thinking today. Maybe some of you are thinking... Am I a true Christian? Hopefully that's what some of you are thinking. And maybe for some of you, you've always thought you were a Christian. And maybe you've never really heard that just because you have the right answers or just because you went to church or just because you were good didn't necessarily make you a Christian. So let me give you some things. And I just want you just to kind of, just kind of ask yourself and be honest with yourself and say, is, is that me? Like, like, is he describing me today? Would I be able to call myself a true Christian. Here's the first thing. A true Christian realizes that it's not about what I do, but who I am. Being a Christian is not about what I do, it's about who I am. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. You can do a lot of good. You can do a lot of godly things. You can read your Bible until you've memorized the entire thing. You can help people. You can be generous and give financially. You can give of your time. You can give of your talents and abilities. You can attend church every Sunday from now until the day you die. And those things in and of themselves will never make you a Christian because we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. And so maybe you're a type of person that maybe you have this like this good and bad scale that you live your life according to. And you're like, man, I've had a bad week. I've done some, some pretty bad things. And so I really need to do some good things so that I can kind of appease God and make him happy with me. Like I want him to look at my life and be proud and think that I've done some good things. And so I need to spend some time like doing some things that will kind of make that scale balance out and, and really let the good show in my life. And so I'm, I'm going to make sure I'm in church this week, you know, you know, I'm going to, 
I'm going to give some money this week. And I'm, I'm going to help somebody this week. And that, that'll kind of counter some of the bad. And here's the truth that, that you just need to know. It's like by nature, we're all bad people. We're all sinful by nature. And the only way that we can rid ourselves of that sinful condition in nature, it's not by doing things, but it's, it's by being someone based on what Christ has done for us. It's by grace, through faith. So would you be able to say, I'm a true Christian because I realize that I'm a Christian because of who I am and not what I do. I love that, I love that there's scriptures that talk about God adopting us into his family. That when we become Christians and accept the gift of salvation, that, that we're heirs and co-heirs with Jesus. We're grafted into the family of God. It's nothing that we did to get there, and there's nothing we can do to get there. It's about who we are and not what we do. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. You didn't, you didn't do anything to become a new creation. That's something that God does for you. And so the old things, the person you used to be, is gone. It's no more. You have been, according to John 3, born again. And spiritually speaking, you've gone from being a dead spiritual person to being alive. And it's nothing that you did on your own. That's great news. It's incredible news. For some people, that's freeing to know I'm not a Christian because of things I do. But I do things because of who I am. I don't do things to develop my identity. So a true Christian realizes it's not about what I do, but who I am. Number two, a true Christian is different and, and like a, I would say, a true redneck and don't really care who knows it. And by that I mean like they're not ashamed. I think so many people in life, they strive to be normal. Don't we? Don't we, don't we want to live our lives in such a way that we don't stand out, that we're not noticed? And we think that if we can become normal, then that's something worth doing. And when you talk about it like that, we're like, yeah, I have. I've spent a lot of my life trying to be normal. Well, well who defines normal? You know, because in, in the neighborhood that you live in, normal might be a car that you can't afford. But we'll go out and get cars that we can't afford because we want to feel normal. We want to feel like, hey, I, I'm at the same stage of life as them, and look, look at what they've done. I should be there, and so I'm going to fight to be normal because I think that's normal. I don't want to like let you down or anything, but normal in our society, it's not a great thing. It's not a great thing. Normal, normal in our society is people who are struggling financially, people who are living their lives to please men and women that care more about their reputation and how they're perceived than being people who are actually happy and at peace and living a life that's filled with hope. People work jobs that they hate because they want to be able to afford things that they can't so that they can prove to people they don't even like that they're normal. You ever thought about that? 
You're going to get up tomorrow. You're going to go to a job you hate so you can make money, so that you can try to get things that you can't really afford so that people that at the end of the day you don't really like will look at you and say, yeah, they're normal. And we strive for that. We long for that. But a true Christian understands, I'm not normal. I am different. And it doesn't really matter what people think about me. I'm going to live my life differently. I'm going to live my life according to the way God teaches. I love this passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Uh, Peter reminds us, he says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world. If you're a true Christian, that's you. Like you're in a world that's not your home. Like you're a, you're a foreigner in this land that we live in, among these people that we live with. You're an alien and a stranger in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Like Peter urges us, hey, recognize you're not normal. You're living a bunch amongst a, a bunch of people that you don't have to seek their approval, but you can live your life in such a way that based on the things that they see you do, that's a reflection of who you are, that they'll, that they'll see the hope that's found in being different. I hope that our church is different. I hope that, that people I influence are different. I hope that I can be Different. I hope that people in this world look at me and just say, you know, why would he make that decision? Or why would he do that? You know, Christians, they just do some weird things. They do. At the end of the day, I mean, there's Christians that leave high paying jobs to do things that don't make a lot of money because what would they tell you? They felt called to do it. Like they felt Jesus told them to do something that's not very normal. And the pushback is always like, but I want to be normal. Like, I don't know that I can do that, God, because people will notice that I'm a little different. And a true Christian, they realize and they embrace that they're different. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Luke 9, 26. If anyone is ashamed of me, Jesus speaking, in my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Like we have this responsibility, if we're true Christians, to live lives that aren't ashamed to be different and aren't ashamed of whose we belong. We want to be different. If you're a Christian, you should want to be different. So many times we just think, well, I can just do a couple of Christian things and those things are not like weird and super different and so I'll do those things and that'll kind of cover me and, and people will still think I'm normal but I can, you know, kind of have that side too and we, we try to play so many fields because normal like just imprisons us. And I just want to say like, if you're not different, like if, if you don't feel different, Are you really a Christian? Like if you live a normal life that people who aren't a Christian live and there's nothing different about you, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're not. That's something for you to think through today. Number three, a, a true Christian lives by faith and not by sight, which, which means they think differently. 
A Christian thinks differently. Uh, obvious verse here would be 2 Corinthians 5, 7, which says we live by faith, not by sight. Uh, but I also want to look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Uh, this passage is written by a man named Paul uh, to the church in, in Rome. And he says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, I want to read that same verse in a different version. This is, this is the version called the message version, which is more of a paraphrase. And so the author, Eugene Peterson, tried to put it in our language. Uh, so it's not always completely reliable. But I love this verse and how it says. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God's bring the, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. A true Christian thinks differently. Like their mind's been renewed, and they're, they're transformed by the renewing of their mind, and so their thinking leads to their lives looking differently. So, like normal would be when someone backs into you in the parking lot, you get out of your car and you say some things that later you're going to regret and this anger wells up inside of you and you want to fight. But sometimes this renewed mind that, that Christians have looks at things that most people would react to in a certain way and they're like, it's okay, it's just a car. It's just an earthly possession and it's Okay. That's why I pay insurance, and now I feel good that I've been putting my money to use, and I'm going to get to use my insurance. So thank you for helping me appreciate all that money that I've been throwing away for all these months. <laughs> and people are like, what? Are you serious? Like, they think differently. People live lives in disarray in relationships, people have betrayed them, people have abused them, people have done things to them or not provided for them. And we live lives full of bitterness. But God calls us as Christians to forgive people. That's, that's, that's different. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't think to do that. Well, a true Christian thinks differently. And you look at people and you say, How did they do that? Because I don't know that I would do that if I were in their situation. And it's because God has transformed them through their mind, through their thinking. And they've been changed. They think differently. And here's the last one, which is just the extreme bottom level rung for all of us as a starting place to understand what it means to be a true Christian. A true Christian has personally accepted and Jesus Christ is their Savior. And you say, well, what does that mean to personally accept Jesus as your Savior? And here, here's like a basic, basic truth of Christianity for you. You, I, alike, born into a world full of sin. We have a sin nature. That sin nature separates us from God. Jesus loves us. God has a plan for our life. None of us are accidents. We're not here by mistake. But God allowed us to be born into the situation we were born into for whatever reason because he has a plan for our life 
He loves us, but that sin nature that we're born into, it separates us from God. So we don't realize the peace that can be found with God, the hope that's found in him, the purpose that's found for our life, because that sin separates us from God. And the truth is, there's nothing we can do to bridge that gap between us and God where that sin is. The beautiful news of the gospel is that God sent his son Jesus to this earth. He sent his son Jesus to this earth. He became flesh. He was born in a manger, a very humble beginning for God to come to this earth. And he lived a perfect life for 30 years. Starting in his 30th year, he performed three years of ministry. He opened blinded eyes. He healed people. He raised dead people alive. He taught incredible teachings. And he revealed that he was the son of God and that he was the hope of the world. And after his ministry was complete, he hung on a cross. He was falsely accused. He was misrepresented. He was betrayed by people close to him. And he was hung on a Roman cross, a crucifixion, a a terrible way to die for criminals, for thieves, for evil people. And he died on the cross willingly as God could have easily destroyed people around him, freed himself from a cross, proven his reality of being God. But he willingly, for you and for me, realized that the only way that we would ever have a relationship with God is if that sin was paid for. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And the good news is that Jesus gave his life for us to pay that penalty of sin so that if we simply receive what he's done for us, then we can have that sin removed and we can personally have that relationship with God. Most common quoted scripture in all the Bible, John chapter 3 Verse 16, for God so loved the world, he loved us, that he gave his one and only son, he gave, God loved, God gave, that whosoever believes in him, God loved, God gave, we believe, will not perish but have everlasting life, we receive. God loved and in response he gave, we simply believe that and then we receive something that we can never do for ourselves. That's the basic truth of Christianity. Here's what John chapter 1 verse 12 says. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We can, we can believe on Jesus. We can believe in what he's done for us. And we can become children of God. We can be made right with God. And the very thing that separates us from God can be done away with. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse nine, Paul says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. I love verse 13. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We don't, we don't have to live this life of, you might be a Christian if. We don't have to live this life wondering, like, you know, when, when things are all said and done, how's, how's, how's life going to pan out for me? Like, I've heard these things, and, and we all believe that everyone's going to go to heaven. And a loving God would never send anyone to hell. I mean, there's all kind of arguments out there. But the truth is, 
No one's going to go to the Father except through Jesus, through the Son. And my question for us as we end our time together today is, are you a Christian? Are you a, are you a true Christian? I'm not, I'm not asking, are you a religious person? I'm not asking, do you believe what I'm saying today to be true? I'm saying, have you personally embraced being a Christian? Like, have you experienced being born again? We were dead in our transgressions and sins, but Christ made us alive in Jesus. You're, you're not a bad person that needs to be good. Like that's, the, that's the message that people think the church has. Stop being bad, please. We want you to be good. Please, be good. No, the message is you're dead. You're hopeless. But you can be made alive through Christ Jesus. And just maybe you came today expecting to hear a bunch of funny jokes about rednecks and maybe you came just wondering what could he possibly say about rednecks that would even be relevant to church. Just maybe you really came today to hear that God loves you and he's got a plan for your life and he sent his son Jesus to die for you and all you have to do is, is believe that and receive new life in him and he'll make everything different. You'll become a new creature. It's, it's not about what you do anymore. It's about who you are and you can live a life with confidence knowing no matter what tragedy would ever strike my life, no matter how sick I would ever get, what kind of tragic accident I would be in, there's one thing I can be certain of. There's one thing that I can live my life with an assurance of knowing. And that's, I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. I've been born again. I'm not religious, and I don't do things religious people do, but I am confident that I have accepted what Jesus has done for me. And so I want to end with... A simple time of response for us. I know for a lot of you, even when I asked, have you ever noticed anything redneck in you? A lot of you were like, yeah, I just don't raise my hand in church and I just don't do that whole response thing. I came to like listen and hear. Just maybe though today is a day where your life will never be the same. And it's simply embracing a truth and a fact that Jesus can do something for you that you can't do for yourself. And you don't have to live a you might be a Christian if lifestyle anymore. You can know that you're a Christian. And so here, here's what's going to happen if, if you say, you know, I don't know that I'm a Christian. I don't know that I've ever had a moment in my life where I have been born again. Theological word, I've been regenerate. He's made me alive when I was once dead. I, I don't know that I've had that moment and I've grown up in church and my parents taught me about God and, and I've been to church a lot in my life and, and I think I'm a good person and I do good things. But you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know for sure. Like I, I'm not certain that I am a Christian. And just maybe I've been living this life thinking that the things that I was doing made me a Christian and today you would say, Today, I, I know that you are speaking to me, and I want today to make known 
that I am a Christian, and today I want to receive Christ. If that's you, what I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, everybody's looking around. You're not worried about anybody else. This is kind of you and God time. I just want you to say, that's me today. I want to make things right. I want to accept Christ. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be born again. I want to make sure that I'm a true Christian. I just want you to raise your hand when I count to three. And here's what's happening right now. There's people in this room that are praying for you. And I know some of you, your hearts may be beating and you may be thinking like, but people may think that I'm already a Christian and, and I don't want to like blow my cover. And I don't want people to think something differently of me. And I just want to ask you just to let this moment just be real and genuine between you and God, not worrying what anyone thinks about you. I'm not asking you like if you've accepted Christ before, but maybe you've made some mistakes like all of us have, this moment isn't for you. Like if you've accepted Christ and, and you've believed on him and, and you've said a prayer and invited Jesus into your heart, this, this isn't for you. Maybe, maybe some of you have kind of wondered from some ways this, this isn't even for you. I want to talk to people right now in this moment who would say, I've never committed my life to Jesus. I've never accepted what he's done for me. And today, I want that to happen. On the count of three, just, just lift your hand. And people in all of this room are just going to cheer and celebrate what God's done in your life today. One, two, three. Just lift your hand. Anybody else? Awesome.